Hey you, thank you so much for listening. No matter when you are listening, no matter where you are, get comfortable. Get yourself a cup of tea, a glass, or an entire bottle of wine. Maybe smoke a blunt, get under a blanket, grab yourself some popcorn, and enjoy this week's episode of The Slut Show with Ellen Moore. We are live. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary beans, and any and everyone in between. My name is Ellen Moore, and welcome to this live Slut Show streaming straight from the Slut Show studio here in Amsterdam. Um, where right now the preparations of the fourth season are in full motion. Uh, there is a fourth uh, studio season coming, and I am so excited for it. Um, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be shooting it very soon, so hopefully around August-ish um, that season will be airing. But before we're going to be airing, we are back with live streams. Due to the current situation in regards to COVID-19, instead of recording on location here in the Slut Show studio in Amsterdam, this episode is an Instagram live stream. Follow at the Slut Show with Alan Moore on Instagram to never miss out on any updates. And without further ado, enjoy this week's episode. Sex therapist Sarah is going to be joining me from The Kink Therapist. And this promises to be so interesting. Hi! Hello, thank you so much for having me. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm in the office today. It feels Great. so nice to not be doing therapy at home anymore. I don't have to worry about any little beagles howling in the background. Right. That's so good. So yeah. great. Yeah. You're, you're located in, in America, right? Yeah, so I'm in New York. Um, and so it's funny, actually, the last place I went on vacation before quarantine was Amsterdam. I love and that. I know. I flew out of Amsterdam in February 2020, and everyone was wearing masks at the airport. So right. I, I, and that's the first place I will go back to, and we'll hang out once the totally once that's safe again. Yeah, I'm so excited for that to happen. So We're we'll gonna do talk our about... next. Yes, we'll do our next episode in the studio. Yes, that will be fucking amazing. I'd love that. Um, today's gonna be super interesting. We're gonna talk about a lot of things, but before we get into all the goods, we still have a little leader, you know. The Slut Show with Ellen Moore, the podcast slash talk show about shit you and I have to deal with on a daily basis. About feminism, insecurities, feeling like a bomb-ass bitch, and obviously about loads of sex. Enjoy your weekly dose of empowerment. Your weekly dose of empowerment. What is the most empowering thing you did recently? Shut up, Ellen. <laughs> um, so I was on, if you guys know Steve Slut, I was on her... YouTube show that's coming out. So that felt pretty cool just to be in front of a camera and not just awesome. like on my on my phone. So that was different for me. So I feel like I'm I'm getting better at the speaking in front of people thing. Cool. How yeah. how do you how do you like being asked to also be more in front of the camera? Because obviously when you when you're doing therapy sessions it's very um personal and you know a very trusty environment I can imagine. What is that like? Yeah, and you know, in sessions, I love that uh, the, the focus is on the other person. I'm, I'm tuned in. I'm 100% there. So I guess that's like when the spotlight is on me. It's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. But I, I like that I'm spreading the message of erasing shame around sexuality and letting your freak flag fly. That's what I was put on this earth to do. So it feels very exciting that I get to spread that message. Right. I love how you say that, letting the freak flag fly. I love that. Yes. So my favorite phrase is, and don't yuck my yum. I love that you uh, you are a kink-friendly therapist, uh, sex yes. therapist, and that is a big part of um, what makes you different from other ther sex therapists, I feel. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. How did you get into your, into your job of sex therapy to begin with? Okay, so good question. 
Um, when I was 18, I started working at the sex store in Manhattan called Eve's Garden. And it was this, it, it was still around this super upscale erotic boutique. And I did that at first because I was a super rebellious teenager. And I think I just felt really cool that I was like going against the door, but selling sex toys. Right. But um, being there, I very quickly learned that women were coming in to buy sex toys for really, really important reasons. Like women who had been sexually assaulted, who are working on being sexual with themselves again, people who are going through chemo and they needed different assistive devices. And it just felt so empowering to work there. And I just had wow. this, it was just this calling. I was like, okay, this is what I was meant to do with my life. It just, everything really fell into place when I worked there. So I went to University of Delaware uh, for, for undergrad. I got my degree in gender and human sexuality. And then I went to Widener University in Pennsylvania, where I got my master's of education in human sexuality and my master's in social work for my clinical degree. That is so cool. And yeah, those reasons that you just stated, like for someone um, having gone through care, uh, chemotherapy and people learning to be sexual with themselves again, mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. are reasons that I never thought of before we spoke about them because obviously we spoke a little before this show um, yeah that is so important how do you feel like um because i can imagine that um being a sex therapist you're taking that exact thing that you were doing in that store but to a whole to a whole new level oh it's amazing it's amazing um so you know it's really interesting i love 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 sex toys i still sell sex toys and i really recommend them to all of my clients and it's, it, it's so interesting. You, like, I made this really, like, stupid TikTok, and it was about, like, I was actually sitting over here. It was, like, first part was my ex and saying, like, you shouldn't need toys. I should be enough for you. And then it pans over to my new partner. And look at all the toys I got for us to try. Right, and yeah, that, I saw that one. It got, like, over 2 million views and just hundreds of thousands of comments of people talking about how much they related, what it was like to wow. have partners who were uncomfortable with them needing or using toys like I had no idea just what like a huge area that I had hit on um right. and you know for a lot of uh vagina owners like a small percent of vagina owners can have clitoral or I mean sorry can have vaginal orgasms right. internal orgasms like most people orgasm through like their clitoris so there, uh, you know, you do have a lot of penis owners that feel like, but this is how sex works. You orgasm from penetration. Um, Honey. I know, I know. <laughs> and most people do not work that way. So toys are so important and they really, really only enhance the experience. And they do work with people who feel like, well, my partner shouldn't need that. Like I should do it all for them. But, but, but why? Why do you think harder? Do you run into people who, who feel um, threatened by sex toys often? Is that a very common thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. But like, no one's going to fall in love with a piece of silicone. Or maybe someone right. might, but that's, they were going to do that anyway. Yeah, that's definitely. If you, um, I think that's a very important, I feel like that's something that um, more often with men, but this is just my judgmental ass telling, saying this, but I feel like it's uh, more often men that feel intimidated by sex toys than women because I don't know a single woman who goes, oh no, my female partner cannot use sex toys because I feel intimidated. Right, right. I think that uh, like women and vulva owners have a better understanding of like how magical toys are. So yeah, I, and you know, there are lots of toys for penis owners. Fleshlight is one of my favorites. 
but there are a bunch of like masturbation sleeves. So it's not just for vulva owners. I feel like, and then, you know, there's mutual masturbation and like watching each other using toys. There's just so much you can do. That's so hot. I like people listening to this later on. If you're watching right now, like do that. It's so hot. Giving you ideas here. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that when we look as sex as, penetration and that's it like we have this really narrow-minded view of what sex is and that could get a little boring totally and I feel like especially it just it's just all the more fun because you have not just your partner but you also have all these electric devices that can give you all kinds of nice sensations yeah just enhance the experience VR porn is something that right now is uh, taking off a lot and there has been a lot written about it, but I feel like we're standing only at the beginning. I think it's going to increase more and more and more. You know a lot about that. Um, Yes. So I have interviewed some women in the VR porn world and I'm just fascinated with it. Um, There's, oh God, Ella Darling, there's Vex Ruby. There's, there are a lot of women who are really taking advantage of this. And I think it's such a, it's a safer way to go about sex work, right? It doesn't seem like the, the sexiest thing in the world to film. It's, it's a lot of work, but the, but the end result is so cool. And I like the idea that there are a lot of assistive devices that pair with VR headsets. So let's say you're in a long distance relationship. Like this is the next best thing to having sex with your partner. Like you could, feel what they're feeling and feel their attraction. Yeah, it's so yeah. cool. If you come to like, for, for those who don't know, because I had no idea this even existed, virtual reality porn is basically you can, um, for example, I think that's, that's going to be what's going to happen at some point if you run along this relationship. Uh, and if it's a heterosexual relationship between a man and a woman, a uh, penis owner and a vulva owner, uh, then you can recreate um, their dick and you can recreate their vulva kind of. and um, Feel it in real time. You can feel, that's, how insane is that? Like, why not? And that's what I say to the people who shun sex toys. I'm like, but, but look at all the things you could do. It's so cool. Technology is great. Yeah. And then you can look at two like interactive programs at VR. So people who have a lot of social anxiety, maybe they have a lot of trouble talking to people, um, you know, that they're attracted to, they can kind of practice. Right. Have this simulated version. I I think it's really cool. It is so cool. How do you feel like, where does porn fit within relationships? Sex therapy, is that something you talk about often? I I love porn. I think porn can help. I, you know, of course I see couples fight about it. um, But I think that we can use it in the same way that we use toys. Like we can spice things up, like watch it together, you know, and it's not, not realistic to think that someone will only be attracted to one person forever. I think that you might be setting yourself up for failure if you feel like your partner will only ever get off to you. And I do right. think that sometimes, like, especially if you're having solo sex and watching porn, it can give you different ideas of what to try with your partner. Right. And it can also definitely help you explore fetishes that you might not yes. have explored otherwise. Yes. Things, things that I've seen in porn made me think like, okay, maybe this is something that I should try. Maybe this is a path I need to be taking. Because sometimes when it comes to kinks and fetishes, like there are, you know, th- things that you've always known that you were attracted to. And then there are things that you're like, wait, I've never thought about that. Like until you're introduced to it. So right. I do like porn for that reason. And of course, 
porn is not sex ed. It is not sex ed, even though it is the way that most people learn about sex for the first time, which is whoa, so messed up. You guys are doing sex ed way, 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 way better than we are. Um, <laughs> right. We have a lot to learn from you. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's great entertainment. I think that you can learn from it. Totally. Um, what do you feel like, because I know that you uh, went to uh, a, an all-girls Catholic school growing up. Yeah, I had, I had abstinence-only education. What was is that not like? Very informative. Um, I remember being really confused about it because I was like, this just doesn't feel right. Like, you know, if they also told us that if you got pregnant before marriage, you could not continue going to school because you would not fit in the desk. Just, whoa! Yeah, that's kind of that. so Yeah, yeah. So, oh God, it was confusing, and it definitely felt wrong at the time because I think that I was always very sex forward for some reason. I was always super sex positive, and just like I was just like this. This just doesn't fit. Um, right. And most people were having sex at that time in the U.S. The national average of kids losing their virginity, kids having sex for the first time. I'm trying to stop saying that. Um, is, 16. And then you're getting abstinence class. Like, and it's just like, no, it's too late. It's too late for this. It's already happening. Right, right, exactly. This is something very interesting. So very, very recently, I figured out a secret that a lot of people carry with them. And okay. I had no idea that that was normal. So uh, growing up, I was, I think, about, I don't know how old I must have been, 9, 10, 11-ish. Um, and I wasn't in like preliminary schools, what you call it, I guess mm -hmm. so. Right. Um, and so a lot of girls during, um, our breaks, they, they would be making out with each other, which was something that I, you know, I, I was looking at it like, okay, is this happening? And so they asked me to, you know, hold up like, uh, a jacket so that people wouldn't see. And then I began talking to friends, um, now, uh, about this. And so this friend told me that he gave a blowjob to his uh, eight-year-old best friend when he was eight. This other friend told me that he was masturbating simultaneously with his um, best friend when he was eight-ish. This other mm -hmm. friend told me that he was sitting in a circle with all these guys and s to see who came first. I hear a lot about that from guys that some of their first sexual experiences were like circle jerks or masturbating right. with their male friends. Yeah, I do hear a lot of that. I don't hear as much of that with women. I think that a huge taboo rests upon it. So I did not have any any sexual acts or anything. Um, what I would do was um, like with this much distance in between um, a, a very close friend of mine, we would sit there and be like, kind of like, <laughs> like fish, you know? And Only in Amsterdam, you figure it out. Um, but like, there was nothing, there was no actual touches, you know, but apparently this is normal, I guess, because so many people have this experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that like, because we're, where you are, I'm sure that the, the cultural implications of sexuality are so, so, so different. Of course, people are way more open-minded in Amsterdam. So I wonder if that was like less of a taboo because sex is openly talked about and consumed. I, I don't know because the um, two of the um, 
the, the stories I just told were not like they didn't grow up in Amsterdam, like the countryside. So I already feel like mm, okay. Amsterdam versus the countryside is already very different in, in the sense of um, what is normal and what isn't, because I feel like mm -hmm. here it is, you know, the crazier the better, but out there it's more like, just be as normal as you can. You're already crazy. Ah, okay. Like the more rural parts. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Or I guess we're all just like horny, curious kids. Totally. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're everywhere for sure. Um, you, what, what, one of the questions that I got asked a ton uh, when I told people that you were going to be on the show was what kind of clients do you get, do you see most often? Can you, is there sure. an average? Sure. So um, I work at the Long Island Institute of Sex Therapy and we have a few sex therapists and we all have different specializations, but my specific area is working with people in, with alternative relationship dynamics. So people figuring out kinks and fetishes, polyamorous dynamics. So a lot of the really fun stuff. I also love erectile dysfunction, um, deal with sexual trauma. I do all that stuff, but the my but mostly the fetish and uh kink stuff okay what kinds of kinks are that um oh god there's just so many you can sexualize any part of the body feet hands armpits uh yeah just helping cool. people feel comfortable with that yeah yeah absolutely that's that's and great then, i never thought of armpits that way <laughs> why not you know it worked out i had this person who like they just did not like vaginal penetration. It just was not comfortable for them. But their partner wanted to, was, we, we, of course, was into penetration. And we wanted to figure out what would work. We figured that they were super into armpits. And she was like, wait, that's great. That's way easier for me. That's awesome. So, wow. like, I don't know, just helping people get a little more creative. Like, when you have that space where you can just, like, all options are on the table. We can figure it out. So I love, love, love helping people figure out all these issues in very, very creative ways that we, they would not have thought of on, on their own. Right. That is so creative indeed. What do you feel like? Um, so, so one of the things that I often get asked by female friends, uh, vulva owners anyways, uh, is I don't come. I don't know how to come. Like I, um, they know how to do it when they're with themselves. And I'm one of these women who has a really hard time doing that. For me, I come instantly kind of when, I, when I'm masturbating. I don't have issues whatsoever. I, you know, it just works. But mm -hmm, when I'm mm -hmm. with a partner, that shit don't work. And where, where do you feel that comes from? Okay, so that could be um, or discomfort or not knowing how to advocate for what you want. So here's something you can try for vulva owners. So say that your partner is going down on you but they like, basically they have their hands behind their back or they can only do what you tell them to do. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So like, they are not allowed to make a move unless you say like, okay, you take it to the left up here. Um, so that like, it's not, cause sometimes it's really tough if someone is doing something that you don't really like and how do you say like, oh, that, that's too much or like, it's, it's not there. You need to go to the left. But mm -hmm. if you're having this like kind of, fun game where that's the only option there's no pressure and it's like not in a in a mean way or you're even constructive you're you and you can figure out what you like using that that is such a good suggestion yeah yeah try it out get back to me it i will i will definitely i haven't had sex in way too long right now but you know that's <laughs> that's a different complaint um, well i think it's gonna be a sexy summer 
I think, it's I be think a very so too. Summer. I feel like Corona is finally gonna fuck the hell off, and we mm-hmm. get to uh, you know mingle, single, ready to mingle. You know. Yes, as people are getting vaccinated, so I think that so much sex is gonna happen this summer. I'm yeah. so excited for everyone. It's it's kind of like a baby boom after you know after war versus after a pandemic. I I guess it makes sense. Yeah. to expect a lot of children to be born very yeah, soon. Yeah, this is the next baby boom. Everyone got pregnant over the pandemic. Um, like, what else are you going to do? But right. that was really interesting when the pandemic started to see um, a lot of couples that would not traditionally come to therapy started coming to therapy because they they were forced to recognize their issues. It was right. really, really interesting. So one positive thing that happened is way, way, way more people came to therapy. And I do feel like the pandemic made therapy a little bit more socially acceptable. So interesting. I get, I, yeah. I think you're totally right about that. What do you feel like was the biggest change in that? What, what made that social change happen? <sighs> everyone was going through a personal crisis. Everyone, everyone. Um, and I think that there, I, I do feel like more people were open about going to therapy. And once online therapy became the norm, it did become more accessible for more people. Right. So are you currently having uh, sessions in your office? Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm doing both online and in person. In person, of course, we wear masks and, you know, you can still hear something everyone said. You can still hear everything everyone says. It works fine. Um, And then, so I'm doing virtual sessions and they're so different, but something I recognized after doing so many virtual sessions, at first I was like, this is just not as good as in person. You miss out on the nuances of body language. But a lot of times people are sitting in their bed doing therapy online. And I'm working with couples and they're sitting in their bed. I'm like, wow, we're in the space where the magic happens. Right. I'm, I'm, I see what the logistics are. Okay, this is over here. Of course, they're not doing anything intimate in the session. But I think right. that, um, you know, especially if the, the bed has become this negative space, I truly believe in corrective experience. So like when we're sitting in the bed and having all these hopefully positive discussions about sexuality and getting our feelings out, I do think that that can help us to have a better association with the bedroom. Totally. I can, I totally see why. I think that's a very good one. Like change the narrative in that exact spot. Yes. And also for people that were like, I don't know why my partner never wants to sleep with me. And then I look around their room. I'm like, is there clothes everywhere? Like, (laughs) A pile of socks and you're like make your room a sexy place right make it a sexy place yeah right set yourself up for success yeah totally what do you feel like is the most common reason why why couples seek therapy uh sexually hmm there's a lot of miscommunication um you know people could have couples that are together for 20 30 years and they can have the most intimate, vulnerable conversations about almost everything else, but not sex. Right. Yeah. Well, how do you feel like, where, what is that rooted in? How, where does that come from? Well, I mean, we're, we're told not to talk about sex. I think there's this, well, maybe not so much anymore, this idea of like sex, for, you're supposed to be virginal. And then once you have sex, like, boom, you're supposed to know exactly what to do. Um, But it doesn't work like that. And I think that we're, there's a shift. People are, at least in the U.S., we are looking for life partners that have had previous sexual partners because we have learned that the more sex you have, the the better you tend to be at it. Just like anything else, the more you do it, the better you are. But then there's this point where it changes because then it's too much. 
And that's an interesting, like, why, where is that, where is that point of shift? Is, is it even there? Should it exist? That's maybe the better question. No, if you want to be a slut, be a slut. Right. Like, I never got what the problem, exactly. I just never <laughs> right. got what the problem with that was. Like, like, I, I just don't get it. Don't be a slut, I, be a slut. Who are you offending? Right. I don't, I really don't understand either. The other day I shared something along the lines of a slut, basically uh, a, a woman with the uh, ideals of a man. Yeah. And I mean, you know. Well, I remember in like high school, um, girls who were like, I don't know, hooking up with a lot of guys. They're like, oh my gosh, she's a slut. And it just, it never made sense to me. I'm like, oh, why is that a bad thing? Like it's consensual. Like she's, why, why? I don't get it. I don't get the problem. Right. Well, ha- just It's never made sense to me. Right. Do you feel like, um, so, so you see a lot of people who are exploring kinks, who are recovering from trauma. Uh, those are very different things. What, um, what do sessions look like when it's uh, focused on a kink, on things that um, people around the world might not necessarily know of? Mm-hmm. So in our sessions, we do a very comprehensive sexual history assessment. So I find out like the first time someone touched their genitals, the first time they heard about sex, what was, you know, talking about sexuality, like around their family, what did you watch movies or people had sex? So I really learn so much about the way that they conceptualize themselves, their sexuality, their worldview. So then we can figure out, okay, what were the messages you heard in your life? Why do you feel this way? What do you like? How can we make that happen? And then how is, um, I, I know some, oh, totally different questions. So recently, uh, I think they might actually be watching. Recently, someone reached out to me and um, I was wondering if you know anything about that, um, who offered to be my pay pig. Your pay pig? My pay pig. Have you ever heard of that? Wait, I'm not sure. Is that like, see, it's a sugar baby? No, it's different. Uh, I, I don't really know, to be very honest, because I, I've only started doing like some research on it, like a couple uh-huh. since like yesterday-ish. Uh-huh. Um, so basically what I understand of it, but if you're watching, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, um, leave, you know what it is. Leave in the comments. I'm curious. Right, yeah, no, totally. Um, but basically it is someone who wants to pay you uh, to, you know, uh, honor you and, uh, you know, um, he, he calls me Queen. Queen Ellen, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. which is so far so it's, good. It's, it's so interesting to me. It's so interesting. Um, it's also a person who had 15 years of of being owned by someone. He he served her for 15 years, uh-huh, and that uh-huh. is so interesting to me because that is such um, that is something that is not considered normal at all. Um, I, I started digging into this, and I found a lot of different things about it. Basically, uh-huh. it um, sounds great. It sounds great indeed, and I am super curious to see how you know. I'm I'm open to this. I mean, if this is what you, what you love, then consensual. This is a win win, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love okay. this dynamic. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so I started looking up some things, and then I found this video of a a man, I think forty ish year old, in a um, white lingerie set, um, paying his owner. Um, and that video, he was like, because you deserve it. And because, um, uh, I believe in, uh, what is it called? Gynarchy. How do, how do I pronounce this correctly? 
The, I, I think you did it. Got, got yeah, got a key. Okay, okay, cool. Okay. Um, the the contrary to patriarchy, anyways. Um, I think it's very interesting. Where do you feel like this uh, particular kink fetish, whatever you want to call it, where does that come from on a um, psychological level? Hmm. So I get this question so so often. Where do kinks come from? Where do fetishes come from? And so so first off. And it can be different for everyone. For some people, it's this feeling that they've always had. Uh, for some people, as they learn about something, then they realize like, oh, I really like that. Um, and I, t I use foot fetish as an example. Sometimes like, could there be something that happened in childhood where like you had a hot babysitter who took their shoes off, maybe. Or maybe you've just always been attracted to fear and the smell or the look, and there is no rhyme or reason. Right. And sometimes, and I have a lot of people, they're like, I just want to know where my fetish comes from. I'm like, oh, like we could explore that, but I just feel like, do we really need to pathologize your sexuality? Like, let's then you're going to constantly think of that when you're... Yeah, yeah, let's figure out how you can make it happen in a way that feels good for you, your partner, like how we can connect you to your community. If you feel like you like something that's really weird, oh my God, I get that so, so often. Like, no, I'm never going to find someone who likes what I like. And it could be something pretty tame, like, I don't know, golden showers. I guess in my world, that's pretty PG. Um, so <laughs> I realized, like, I don't know, what else? So, and... Uh, For those who don't, this is, that is urine involved, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Like yeah. Someone, water sports, golden showers. Um, water sports, I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So some sometimes just like helping people understand that no, there's a community for this and here's how we can connect you with like minded people. Right. Yeah, there's a community for everything. That's literally I think I told someone this a couple days ago. I said something along the lines of um think of something it bitch, it already exists. Everything we've all thought Every of, you know. Everything, everything. And I think that kinksters are way less isolated right now because you can like there are so many apps there's one i I'm, there's one i really like field f-e-e-l-d that's what a lot of my clients are on that have a lot of success with that app i don't know if they have it um by you or even like reddit groups i love oh if you think you're into something weird look it up on reddit right you will feel, totally. you will feel so normal you will realize that you're probably more vanilla than you thought right um, since starting this i thought i was so i was i thought i was such a slut like i was so you know <laughs> And since I started this, I began realizing, girl, you are not, you are so fucking vanilla. Like, you haven't even scratched the surface. I have no idea, you know. Isn't that so and exciting? There's so much to explore. Exactly. It's so exciting to know, like, I don't know shit. So there's so much more that I can learn about sex. And sex is so much fun. Like, sex is fun. And that's something a lot of people forget. And I feel like that is something that... Um, the way you talk about it so openly and so um, there is no shame or taboo when, when there's a conversation with you involved about sex. And I think that's something that makes you great at your job. I love my job. I love it so much. And like when I just see a client like take that sigh, like I'm, I'm not weird. Like I'm, I'm okay. It's just the best feeling in the world. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's figure out how you can like do all the kinky stuff that you love. Right. What are um, our kinks that um, that were new to you, but that clients brought to you being like, this might be some, can you tell us some of those? Mm, 
no one has brought something to me yet that I didn't know what it was. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've done a lot of research. This is what I specialize in. Right. Yeah, totally. So is that, are those things that you have learned in, in school? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I was very lucky where I went to school at Wyatt University. We learned so, so, so much about sex outside of the mainstream. Um, And we also, I took a class where we got to explore our own boundaries. So we learned about more of the, even more taboo fetishes and just to figure out like, okay, what are the areas that we can't work in? Because to be a good sex therapist, to be a good therapist in general, you have to know what your limits are. You have to know what you don't know. Right. That is so, that is so interesting. Do you feel like, um, because obviously your geographical location literally makes a difference for uh, being a psychologist, being a sex therapist, basically for every job that makes a difference because of course. there's culture um, ingrained into everything you do and everything you say and everywhere you go. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like the, uh, because prostitution and sex work in America is a conversation that never seems to end. Mm, uh, Um, There's a lot to say about it. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that's like? I just don't understand why it's not legal yet. I I don't get it. It would make it so much safer and regulated. Um, You guys are doing it right. (laughs) I remember I did, I took a class in Amsterdam in grad school and we actually like went to the Museum of Prostitution, and I got to interview different sex workers. That's and down the road. <laughs> that's so cool, so cool. Right. And it just dawned on me that, like, wait, this is, like, legalizing it. And right, it's, isn't it right by the police district, the red light district? Like, right by um, the police wait. station or nearby? Well, yeah, I mean, just I, everything they have. Amsterdam is very tiny, so it's close, yeah. I think it's maximum five minutes. But just the fact that, like, um, sex workers would have panic buttons in their room so that like police could come if they needed that like if you're in do we yeah yeah awesome i had no idea yeah yeah it's so legit it's so it's so cool and like so sex workers now they don't have that option you can't call the police if you're in danger which makes it so much more dangerous like it's awful and sex work is the oldest profession in the world it's not going anywhere exactly and i feel like you cannot outlaw it no, totally. Right now, um, because of the pandemic going on, prostitution here is uh, in whatever way, shape or form, no matter if it's being an escort or um, being a prostitute in, in like the red light district, no matter what it is right now, contact um, like anything that involves physical contact is not allowed. And right now, for example, you can get a massage, but you cannot go to a prostitute, which does not Firstly, it doesn't make any sense to me. But secondly, you're making it um, so much more difficult for yeah. uh, people to do this in a safe way. Oh, God. I know. Yeah, and also, It's like, even bad here right now. Wow. Yeah, that's your job. Like, you, you got big money. Like, right. You not do your job. Ugh, but people will find ways to do their job because you have to make money. You have to pay rent. They're going to do that. Oh, exactly. So like then I, you're in the situations where you can't use your panic button. Oh, so backwards. It's right. So backwards. Yeah. Because totally. again, people are going to seek out services either way. Right. I, a friend of mine, she's an escort and she, she's, I know she's working. Um, she's not working legally because she cannot, she can't, she would love yeah. to, but she can't. Um, Ooh, but that gets yeah. so fucked up because it's just so fucked up. I think we all know why. Um, yeah. 
But that's why there also was this huge boom in OnlyFans, which I love. It made so sex work so much safer. Um, I have so many clients that like were not in the sex industry before this who joined OnlyFans. They're like, okay, this is like it can be pretty lucrative. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Totally. Then, Last live show. Last live show was actually with someone who um, has an OnlyFans. She's so she's so good. Yes, I watched Winnie. Ah, I love her. She's really cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, and that brings me to like censorship. Ugh. And I feel like I don't want Instagram. Please don't listen to this. But you have people who market themselves on Instagram, on TikTok, and let's say they have like. 300,000 followers and that's how they direct people to their only fans and Instagram deletes that and it's like that's that's their how job they made gone. their money that's their job it's so right. devastating so so devastating it can be actually i found out that if you post uh, an Instagram post with the word OnlyFans, I found out because of a posting something along the lines of uh, Winnie, who has an OnlyFans, you know, something in when I announced uh, a live stream. So I posted that and it got taken down within a second. I refreshed it and okay. got taken down. What I don't understand about that is the fact that OnlyFans has a freaking Instagram. Why are you not allowed Instagram to account? write down OnlyFans? Because I literally, I did not change anything about the caption. I did not change anything about the tags, nothing. The only thing I changed was rewording OnlyFans to OF. So, like, what if instead of writing OnlyFans, you were to tag OnlyFans and their legit Instagram would have been taken down? That, that makes no sense. No sense at all. But censorship is so real that, like, for um, a lot of people in the community, and I can imagine that you face this as well to a certain extent, um, for myself with the Slut Show, for uh, Lisa and Amanda Sex Look Saturdays, um, and everyone who, who I've had on the show basically uh, faces um, censorship in one way or another. What has this, that been like for you? I've had to get very creative, very, very creative. Uh, TikTok keeps deleting my video. They deleted my account for a few days. Um, wow. I've, I've done okay on Instagram, but, like, I don't try to push it. I don't think any of us try to push it anymore because we know it's all going to disappear. And that's... Yeah. Yeah. And after I got in a lot of trouble on TikTok, I was like, all right, I'm going to make cute dog videos. But no one watched them. <laughs> really cool. I, wanted to... I don't want to see your dog videos. We want sex toys. <laughs> <laughs> I love the video you posted the other day with your husband and you... <laughs> I'm going to remake that video with my best friend being because she's so nice to everyone. And I'm always the one like, bitch, I'm going to fight them right now. You want, you want me to fight for you? I will. <laughs> Literally. She's actually sitting in my living that. room right now. So if you can hear me, if you're watching, hey. A beautiful, supportive <laughs> friend. I love that. I love that. I, I know. We, I, me and my husband definitely have that dynamic. So he's a veterinarian and he's like a sweet little baby angel that just loves puppies. That is so, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I am well, I'm four nine and three quarters. I'm a spicy little girl. What was that in centimeters? Do you have any idea? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, I, I have no <laughs> idea. Under four nine. Um, please, like, if someone could translate uh, that. Is someone watching who knows how to translate that? Please do. Oh, there four he nine. is, Dr. Josh. If oh. Josh, can you do the translation for us? Four nine centimeters, please. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, what is your favorite sex toy? Um, 
the hold on i'm gonna go grab it yes do so awesome i will do a little improvisation talk someone's asking what we are currently discussing we're discussing anything you're going to be asking we're talking about kings we're talking about fetishes we're talking about um sex and all the good things around it uh taboos anything that is fun to talk about and is slut show related welcome to the slut show um and right now sarah is going to be grabbing her favorite sex toy um if you want it to be about dick size we can talk about that um 145 centimeters oh wait two people are saying totally different things so either 145 (laughs) or 160 that's tiny though yeah yeah okay so my favorite toy of all time has been for for years so this is the satisfier yes i love it i have it too you have it too you have (laughs) oh my god i saw your video yes that's so funny and this is probably like so i work at a we have a sex store in the practice that sure and um really that's so cool i love that it's really cool we have all really high-end sex toys so um me i'm the owner of the practice we're zara so we have a I have no friends. Okay. Uh, just read in the comments. Good for you. Someone said they have an incredible dick. Good for you. Have fun with that. Jerk off if you like. Yes. Thanks for letting us know. We're happy for you. Um, so it's a sex store that is run solely by sex therapists. So you can That's basically awesome. book a time and sit down with me and tell me what you like, what you don't like, and I will walk you through all the toys that we have. Um, but this is, this is a classic, the Satisfier. This is like the absolute best. Um, and then we have another brand that I love, Laura DiCarlo. Yeah. So, and she so like another version of the Satisfier uh, is the Womanizer. And so I first yes, bought the Womanizer. Yes. Uh-huh. And that is like more of a shape like this. Mm-hmm. And so when you're laying on your belly, it works perfect. For those mm-hmm, who haven't tried, mm-hmm. try it. Um, and, um, the, the sat, when I got the satisfier actually as a gift from uh, a store, I was like, Jesus Lord, this thing is going to suck the soul right out. of my <laughs> I've always been team satisfier. Um, but I also love Laura DiCarlo and I love women in tech. So these are robotics. Um, they don't just vibrate and she won this tech award but for this robotics award, but then they rescinded it once they realized that it's for, these were sex toys. Um, what? Really? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. So. Oh my God. So cool. Oh my God. What is that? Oh my God. I need to get what? one of those. What is it? So, oh my God. I don't know the names of things like that. Um, so for those tuning in to the, to the uh, podcast later on, they are little devices that are kind of, shaped like an egg and yes they simulate is... oral oh yes. and I... I in the store i kind of i have to like do a little test i have to turn on every vibrator and i want to see what what's the most quiet i'd love to know that because this thing yeah. kind of sounds like it's vacuum vacuuming your clit Kind of. <laughs> I mean, Does some that... of them are louder than others, but it like it yeah. just depends. So let's see. Oh my God, we have a. Check this out. Oh my God, you are there, right? This is amazing. Yes, yeah. So here's the <laughs> store. I love this. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? So we have wow, a beautiful delivery of Laura DiCarlo. This is so great. So there's so many different kinds of toys out there. Uh, the Slut Show is actually currently looking for sponsors. 
Um, so if there's a company watching, if you guys by any chance were to want to sponsor me, I would so be down with that. Um, I feel like, are you doing sex toy reviews? Because if you aren't, you should be. Yeah, I should be. I should be indeed. Um, I reviewed the Satisfier. Um, I, I love writing. I'm a journalist as well. And so I love writing these things up. So I... And very soon, we are actually full motion working on the pre-production of the fourth studio season of The Slut Show, like I already tipped a little bit at the beginning, which is so exciting because I'm going to be working on for The Slut Show three months completely full time. So that's going to be awesome. A lot oh of amazing things are coming. So I'm oh, super I'm excited so about that. And you write, you write music too, right? I do, I do. That's something I, that for my social media, it's kind of faded to the back, but I still uh-huh. do that a lot. And you're going to school? Yes, I am. I'm a full-time student. How, how are... Uh, I am... Um, it's my coping mechanism. <laughs> I'm, I'm stressed out for you right now. No, I love it. I love it. I love, I love what I do in school. I'm a media student. I love learning all these things. So Perfect. it's fun for me. The slut show is fun for me. Um, writing music is my, my way of dealing with life. So it's fun for me. Um, and talking about sex is my, like my biggest hobby. I... If I weren't to have the slut show, I would just be having these conversations offline. <laughs> I'm sure you would be, but I'm so happy you have the slut show. I because am it's too. it's so important that, that we have this visibility. I mean, totally. women talking about sexuality together. It is so important. We have and yeah, I'm so here for it. And I, I think, um, like, when I realize, when I talk to friends of mine who... Um, who still feel the need to come out to people. Um, one of my friends recently came out to me and I am so proud of them uh, for doing that. And I feel like it is so important, um, like for as long as people are scared to come out, we have a job to do. Like um, people yeah. need to not feel the need to come out and just, the question needs to change from do you have a boyfriend to do you have a partner? Yeah, oh my God, of course. And like the, the heteronormative assumption, it like, it, it makes things really tough. Um, and I say, you should be talking about sex with your friends, like normalize sex conversations, make it less of a taboo. Because I think that people who can talk about sex with their friends, they're better able to talk about sex with their partners and vice versa. hundred percent, hundred percent. Practicing that is also really important, I feel. I know that I remember when I was shooting the second season, the uh, second studio season of the slut show, which if you haven't watched it, check it out. Um, uh, I was doing my research. And so I am in uh, behind my desk uh, for weeks watching um, videos about kings, fetishes, everything you can think of. I'm watching, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm, reading, mm-hmm. I am uh, doing like, I'm doing proper research. And so um, my, one of my flatmates was at home and so every single time I wanted to go grab some tea, uh, they were sitting in the kitchen. And so I would be like, oh, so did you know that the first uh, male sex doll was invented then and then? And I would come out with new things every single time. And they would look at me like, you're so weird. And all I could think was, you are missing out. <laughs> that is so funny. I think I do make a lot of people in my life uncomfortable in, in the best way, in the best way. My, my poor husband, my, my mom, she's watching right now. She's, uh, she's very supportive. <laughs> I love that. That is so yes, good. Yes, my family just accepted what I do. You know, it's so funny. I feel like I had my, um, 
my like coming out to my family of like, I'm going to work in the, in the sex field. When I was in undergrad, like I directed the vagina monologues. And um, I remember my, so my parents came and they sat in the front row, just like they did for all my dance recitals. And my dad had his camcorder and I come out like, my vagina. <laughs> and I just see my dad behind his camera like, oh. <laughs> oh my God, this is gold. Oh my God. And that's me. I do feel, I really do feel like it's a coming out, uh, obviously totally different, but it's a coming out when you're talking about sex on the internet. When I'm dating someone, there is, is always that moment when I'm going to be like, so I'm the host of the slut show. <laughs> and you know. Ask me all your questions. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, you know, people make their assumptions about what that means about you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or like it, people make assumptions about how much access they have to you. Right, because right. if you're talking about your sexuality, then they can access your sexuality. So I, for, for me, I've learned that there are some spaces where I don't need to talk about what I do. Right. Unfortunately. Some places is better to skip it sometimes for your some, own good. Some places that I'll say, I'm a social worker, and people don't really ask more questions about that. Right. When you say you're a sex therapist, you're, you're uh, opening the door. You're really opening some doors that maybe you don't want to open right right I'm at the point now where um when I <laughs> when I still met people because you know corona wasn't a thing um I would just be like yeah so I have a, a talk show about sex and then I would just look at them I look, I'd look them dead in the eye and I would wait and they would go uh, yes I said sex what, what confidently I'm, I'm not backing you know? down yeah yeah right I really feel like that as, as long as we have this still a taboo, um, it's still ne necessary to talk about it. Um, what is, uh, what does um, menstruation take for kind of a spot periods and stuff uh, within therapy? Is that something that women struggle with who you uh, see in therapy? Mm, do you mean like menstruation and sex? Yeah, for example, if you're going to be having sex on your period, for example, having really um, extreme periods, period mm -hmm, cramps, mm -hmm, stuff like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. So we have, issues. yeah, so for the medical aspect, we have a lot of great pelvic floor therapists, urologists, um, sex positive doctors that we work with and we refer clients to. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of out of your expertise then. Yeah, you know, you got to know right. when to refer out. I can't yeah, give anyone medical totally. advice. Yeah, totally. Fair. Yeah. Completely. But I can definitely point them in the direction of sex positive doctors. There are right, that many. is so important. No. Yeah. On our website, if you're in New York, we actually have um, the website for the Long Island Institute of Sex Therapy. We have a list of uh, sex positive providers, doctors, mm -hmm. and, you know, um, in the area. Right. I'd check it out if you're streaming and you are there and you need the help. I think it's a genuinely good advice. Yes. Um, so the I'm, I'm gonna be giving you a little little teeny tiny um, tip of what is gonna be happening in the fourth season. Um, it's gonna be slutty science again. There's gonna be the articles up on Cat's blog. There's gonna be the science discussed in the slut show itself. There's gonna be a couple of new segments that are gonna take place. And one of them 
is going to involve you. What exactly? We're not going to be revealing yet, but it's going to involve you, which is fantastic because your name alone, slut show sex therapist Sarah, is just, it works. It just works. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm it so really excited does work. Yeah, it Me really too. It, it just <laughs> sounds perfect, you know? I'm so excited for this to happen. Um, next week, I will be talking to uh, Catherine from Bloody Honest about uh, period sex and way more. Um, before I'm going to round these things up, what is something that um, you would like to ask her about periods? Because she has a very open Instagram account about periods, etc. Is there anything you would like to ask her? Whoa, whoa. I want to learn more about what people dislike about period sex. And is it that, like, I'm, I'm just, you know, and of course you're, it's okay if you don't like period sex, but I'm always right. so curious is, are, are you legitimately grossed out by it or do you think that you should be grossed out by it? Right. Do you, what is your personal opinion about period sex? Why not? Right. <laughs> I'm all for it. I, right. I have nothing yeah. negative to say about period sex. Yeah, fair. Just I don't either, care. but I feel like <laughs> there's a lot of people who think that because periods are such a taboo, um, like, the, oh my God, people are uh, inventing golden, uh, like uh, pink gloves to take out your tampon. That was I something that was, I was, like, I was out, I why? saw it and I was like, this fucking world, I cannot even. <laughs> for, for people listening, for people watching, periods are not gross. They're one of the most natural things that happen and sex is not gross. It's one of the, it's the most natural thing that happens. If it weren't for sex, we all wouldn't be here. Instagram wouldn't exist. Nothing would be here. Vaginas can do so many wonderful things. Vaginas are fucking powerful, Love man. Love them. We walk around with a human maker factory inside of us. That's, mm -hmm. oh my God. That's powerful. just so cool. It's very powerful. I feel very powerful because of it. Um, thank you so much for being on the show with me. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to keep working Always. together. We got some awesome. fun stuff planned. I'm looking forward to it so much. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you at home for tuning in for this week's episode. Next week, I will be back same place, same time, talking to Catherine from A Bloody Honest. And if you like this episode, I am sure you will love season one and two just as much. So head over to youtube.com slash more to watch or listen to The Slut Show on your favorite podcast platform. If you want to support The Slut Show, you can head over to my Patreon page to buy me a coffee, which is only four euros a month, and you can support me and the next season coming out very soon. Follow the both of us on Instagram. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you at home for watching. And for now, let's out. Let's out. out. <laughs>